Hi, I'm Derek Jensen. This is Resistance Radio on the Progressive Radio Network. My guest today is Caitlin Roper. She's an activist, writer, and campaigns manager at Collective Shout for a world free of sexploitation, a grassroots campaigning movement against the objectification of women and sexualization of girls in media, advertising, and popular culture. She's a founding member of Adopt Nordic WA and a co-founder of the Feminist Academy of Technology and Ethics. Her upcoming book, Sex Dolls, Robots, and Woman Hating, The Case for Resistance, will be published by SpinFX Press in late August. So first off, thank you for your work in the world. And second, thank you for being on the program again. Thanks very much for having me, Derek. So I guess let's just start with a really broad question. Um, First off, what are sex dolls and what's wrong with them? So sex dolls are lifelike, anatomically correct replica women they're made of silicon. Uh, they they are made in the likeness of female porn performers usually, and they come with penetrable orifices. So they have openings at the the vagina, the anus, and the mouth, and they're marketed for men's sexual use. So they're typically female-bodied, made for men, and uh, they are also they uh, there can be a robotic element as well, where they're still the silicone sex doll body, but paired with an animatronic head. But they're really still very primitive. Like some some advocates have even suggested, you know, in the next couple of decades, people or people they mean men could be falling in love with and marrying sex robots. But really, they can't walk. They can't even stand. They're, they're so primitive that those those ideas are just quite far fetched, really. But the reality of this trade is that it's a very gendered trade. So it's very much like the sex industry. It's overwhelmingly the dolls and the robotic dolls being made in the form of women and girls and always for a male market. There, there are some dolls made in the likeness of men, but just very few. Um, but even where they do exist, they're often still marketed as being for men's sexual use. So, for example, there's uh, there's a number of sex doll brothels around the world, but in one of them uh, they have a couple of male-bodied sex dolls and they're listed under the category gay. So they still know who the, the market is and, and they know that it's men. So these dolls are being promoted by academics and pedophiles and pedophile groups and, and others who argue that these dolls could be really good. They could be uh, solving all these problems, apparently, that they could be used as internet partners and companions. They could be used by the elderly or the disabled or people who... Uh, might struggle with um, social skills or anxiety or they could be used for sex education or to teach consent or by couples and and like I've touched on briefly um, even pedophiles these dolls could be made in the likeness of children and they are they're very often made in the likeness of of girls but what's happening here is they're taking this very gender neutral approach saying that oh these these dolls these sex dolls and sex robots could be really great for for people but what they're not saying is that the overwhelming majority of these dolls are made in the likeness of women and girls that they're made with penetrable orifices to accommodate men's penises so they're made for men they're produced and designed for men and when they're saying that that they could be used for people what they mean is you know elderly people they mean elderly men or disabled people they mean disabled men so this is really a gendered industry and this is not the argument that's being made. It's being promoted as it could be good for everyone and could benefit everyone. But it's really, it's it's something that is supposed to be seen to benefit men. Well, I mean, if you believe that men having access to 
sexual access to a replica woman on demand is, is a good thing. But there's very little consideration, if any, as to the implications for women and girls from this, the way that women and girls will be harmed, the way that this contributes to the objectification and dehumanization of women, the how this uh, perpetuates rape culture or men's violence against women and and just the harm that is done to women and girls. So there's a, a, a few directions I want to go here. I would like to, in a moment, go really to the harm to women and girls, because the, the argument I've seen academics make is that this is not only not harmful, but it's helpful. And oh, so so before then, I want you to, to talk about the academic argument that is made. And isn't it isn't it strange and horrible that when we say when almost anybody at this point says academics, they mean it pejoratively. I mean, isn't that just <laughs> sad? Um, and it's not just you and me while well, you haven't said it. It's not just me. I mean, I know this for a lot of people. Anyway, um, I want you to do the academic argument in a, in a moment. But there's a couple things I want to mention first, which is one of them is um, you said this strange thing that dolls can be used to prom- to, to teach consent. Um, yeah, it's that, that, quite that, an argument. I mean, isn't that like saying that a chair can be used to teach consent or a automobile? I mean, it's it's a it's a. I, explain that one to me very quickly, please. Don't spend a lot of time on it, but I, that just makes no sense. Sure. So the argument, again, being made by by some academics, is that essentially young people, and again, they mean young men and boys, could practice on on these dolls and robots. And that that's how they learn that you can do this, but you can't do this. And maybe they, we could even arrange it that the, the sex dolls will shut down if they, if they do the wrong thing or, so they're saying these could be the means to have this kind of embodied experience where they're teaching men and boys consent. But of course it's, it's this ludicrous idea, this, this idea that we provide you with this object, this replica woman, an object that is used in place of a woman because women are objects, right? And and that is what you you practice on and think that that is like a mutual sexual experience. So it's very much this idea that, uh, you know, that women and girls exist to be sexually used, to provide pleasure for men and boys. And the idea that that sex dolls and robots could somehow contribute to this positive sex education or to, to um, promoting healthy messages about respectful mutual kind of sexual relations it's really it's just ridiculous because in real life you know women women are humans we are not just lifeless receptacles for semen but you have some of these academics arguing that you know men and boys should learn to relate to women from using these dolls um you know i am now remembering that when i interviewed you last time one of the main things that i kept it was one of the most confusing interviews I've ever done in terms of not because of you, but because there's there's just so much doublespeak going on again, not by you. This is just it. it I mean, this is all just crazy that it seems to me that the way that that a male or female would learn that, you know, you do this or don't do that is that. You know, if you if 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 one person begins to touch another person in a certain place or in a certain way, 
and the other person's body stiffens slightly or is anything but in, extremely enthusiastic, um, that means you stop. It, I, I, it means uh, – so, so I, right. I, I, I am reduced to stammering early in this interview just like last time. <laughs> Well, you're right. Double speaks just the perfect way to sum it up because in the one sense you have the advocates say, oh, it's just a doll. It's just an object. Like it's harmless. There's no issues because it's not a real human. It's not a real woman being harmed. But then in the other sense, you have them saying, oh, these, these dolls could function as intimate partners. This could be, you know, a replacement wife or girlfriend or or even the way that these products are marketed, that you know, companies like Silicon Wives and Doll Wives and and stuff like that. As a girlfriend, you can use and then hang up in the closet when you're done. So it's it's like pick a side, people. It can't be both unless you have this belief that you know, of course, women are objects. Women exist to be used by men. But do you know what I mean? It really is that double speak. It's yeah, it's it's very interesting and horrifying to watch. So one more thing I want to mention before we go on is I just read an article oh, very recently about a woman who saw her child's face on a pedophile sex doll. And her daughter had been – the picture had been taken probably off Facebook. And, um, and it, that just – I just wanted to, to bring that into this in terms of it being – I just read that like two weeks ago, and it's pretty horrifying. Yes. Yeah, I'm familiar with that case. I've written about it myself, actually. So this was a case in the U.S. where a mother learned of a child sex abuse doll which was being sold on Amazon that was made in the likeness of her 8-year-old daughter who was also a child model. And one of the photos of the doll appeared to recreate a photo of her daughter that had been posted to Facebook and, and really um, recreate it quite strongly. You can see that the outfit is the same, the pose, the hair, the socks. There's a stuffed animal that the, that the doll is holding, just like the girl in the photo. But this is what's happening. On the one hand, we have advocates arguing it's just a doll, it's just an object, no one's being harmed. This could even be the solution to child sexual abuse because we just need to give all the pedophiles a child sex abuse doll that they can use and then kids will actually be safer and it will be good for children. But what we're seeing in reality, apart from the fact that it's a nonsensical argument and it just doesn't work that way, but we're seeing actual children being involved in, in men's use of child sex abuse dolls. And that can be through the customization of dolls. We've seen, well, I've seen over the last couple of years, a number of child sex abuse doll manufacturers offering to customize dolls based on a photo. So the, the customer, that the man can supply an image of, of a girl or a child, um, perhaps that he's found online or someone that he knows in real life, perhaps someone in his care, and he can submit that photo and they will make a doll with penetrable orifices modelled on that girl. And there's also circumstances where I think this has happened even twice in the in Australia in the last year, last few months even, there's been a case or cases where men have been found with child sexual abuse imagery, images and video, and also child sex abuse dolls, but where they've included real children in their life or in their care. So one case where a, a former teacher had created um, from school photos, he created masks um, of his students. So there's his students' faces, which he would put on a child sex abuse doll. So he was involving 
these children in his his use of a child sex abuse doll. So even when kids, you know, in theory, as the um, advocates would argue, it's, you know, this is this is about a doll, not a child. It still is about children. It still involves children being violated, being harmed, being involved in all of this. And and something else uh, my colleague recently discovered on um, a platform called Made in China. She discovered a, a series of child sex abuse dolls, but some of these uh, sellers were offering, again, that service of customising a doll in the likeness of an actual child with uh, customer-supplied photos. And after my colleague Lynn exposed uh, these these dolls on Made in China, the platform did act fairly quickly to pull a lot of them. But but what we realised is not only are the dolls, these, this specific brand of dolls that were being advertised as being, you know, able to custom make the dolls, but when we looked at them, we thought how many of the dolls that we've already seen here are actually made on the likeness of real little girls. And then I, I realised how many of the dolls, the many dolls I've seen over the last number of years, childlike dolls, how many of these are also modelled, at least in part, on an actual child? Where do the manufacturers come up with the face or the hair or the body type or any of these things? Are these all just hypothetical girls or are many of them actually replicas of actual girls? So let's let's go to um, give give the the academics uh, best argument. Um, yeah, give give the academics best argument for why this is why this is uh, not only not harmful but uh, in fact helpful. Mm, they're best argument. Wait, they're all pretty wait, bad. Wait, wait, wait. There, there's there's one thing I, I want to say too before before we go on there, which is, I mean, they talk about how this is a solution for those who have no social skills, and or those who are for whatever reason can't find a woman who wants to actually have sex with them it's it well two things one is it's it's i mean how do i i have known both men and women who have had various um physical uh various physical problems that would make them uh, not adhere to beauty standards. Um, and they have found loving partners. I mean, I recognize the harm that, that, that sort of the male gaze and all, you know, the whole beauty standard problem. I recognize that, but that doesn't alter the fact that I have known some people, I'll just say it, some people who are conventionally pretty unattractive who have found completely satisfying romantic lives because they were really nice people and really good people. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's like, mm. it's a bogus, it's a bogus argument in the first place. You know, I've known people who have physical, physical disabilities that would make them not uh, a suitable partner for somebody who doesn't want someone with that physical disability. And they've still, they have had perfectly decent romantic lives this is one thing and the second thing is even if you can't i mean i don't I mean, what's wrong with masturbation yeah i mean if, if that's if that because if, if, we're not talking about actual intimacy here 
That's the, the two. See, even in my question, I conflated two things that shouldn't be conflated, which is one is I was talking about a, a romantic life that is fulfilling, which includes intimacy, not just physical intimacy, but includes, you know, sitting on a couch watching Casablanca with somebody or, you know, doing whatever it is that you both enjoy doing and cooking together or, you know, playing with your puppies together, whatever it is. Um, and then there's also, you know, it feels nice to have an orgasm and that I, I don't see how this is anybody else's problem. You know, if, if you want to have an orgasm, you hands are very convenient. Hmm. I mean, I'm, is that too graphic? I mean, do you mind me? No, no, no. Um, and this is something I did touch on in the book as well. Uh, it's very much all the arguments from from the pro sex robot academics. It's very much coming from a place of sex is a fundamental human right. And by this, they don't mean masturbation. They mean partnered sex. So what they're essentially arguing is men's sexual access to women's bodies is a human right. And these are the same arguments they've made when it comes to the sex trade. And now they're making them again when it comes to sex robots. And again, it's a really gendered thing. They talk about people and individuals and, and all of this, but they're talking about men. And, and what I'm often hearing is not just from advocates, from people in general posing the question, but you know, if someone's really lonely, like what is it, what does it matter? Like, does it really, you know, is it a bad thing if someone, you know, if they're lonely and they can't find someone that they just have a doll, but Fundamentally, that's it doesn't make sense. The idea that an object could be the solution to loneliness because the person is still alone. It's um, you know, a sex doll, a robot is not actually providing companionship. It's not actually a solution to loneliness or a partner. It's just all it provides this you know silicon doll with uh, orifices is sex on demand. So no, it, it doesn't. It, no, it doesn't. It provides it provides masturbation assistance on demand. Well, that's right. It provides the experience of well masturbating into an object that looks and feels like a real woman. I'm I have no experience with this, but I'm I'm guessing not. Sorry. I have no experience with this, but I'm guessing not. I'm guessing that that. I'm guessing it still doesn't it doesn't actually feel the same. I'm guessing that I mean apart from which apart from which this 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 is I'm I I'm this is my problem here. I'm parsing this out, but I mean part of what part of what it is is here is a person who 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 wants me. I mean that's that's part of that's part of the the feelings of sex. It's not just it's not just the friction. It's it's also um, the the connection and the you know sort of the the, the magic of it. Yes, and I think um, I, I did touch on this in um, I wrote a chapter about I guess what men are really doing with these dolls, and a lot of the time they're they're coming up with these porn inspired personas for their dolls, so they're behaving and believing, or perhaps not actually believing, but that this is what they're expressing in sex doll owner forums. They're talking about their doll as though it is a partner and as and um, attributing personality traits to that. And it's things like, you know, my doll is super horny. She wants me all the time. She can't get enough. She likes 
to be violated. She likes the violence, all of those things. So they really buy into this kind of porn fantasy that they do have this woman, basically an object who's available for sex on demand. So they're really, and, and this is something they all kind of feed off each other and they, they share uh, images of, of their dolls as well in really porn inspired kind of poses. They might be dressed in really sexy outfits or in lingerie or, or just naked or even in situations of um, bondage and torture and, and things like that. So they're, they're using them as their own 3D porn, really. Yeah, which is kind of getting to the point, isn't it? Yes. So now that I've interrupted you a bunch of times, um, <laughs> it's, you know, can you can you give the argument, the academic argument for why this is a this is a good thing? Um, and also, before we go on, I just want to thank you for calling it a child sex abuse doll um, that like the word pedophilia has always even though I use it just so people know what I'm talking about has always really offended me because you have a bibliophile as somebody who loves books, a, uh, what's another file? Um, a, a gastrophile might be somebody who likes to eat. I don't know what I, I can't think of any other P H I L E's right now, but it means love and yeah. a pedophile doesn't love children. I mean, it's, you've got this whole long list of bibliophile and a bunch of other, um, Francophile loves France, you know, Anglophile loves all things English and then whoops, you know, that's, that doesn't really fit. So okay. I've been, I've been using the term, uh, uh, pedosadist. Um, mm. but again, it's really difficult because, you know, I say that it's like, huh, what are you talking about? Um, but I like the child sex abuse doll cause that's very clear. And also it's not buying into the pedophile language. Mm. Yeah, so you're right. Thank you for that. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for, um, yeah, that's a really interesting point that you make. Um, so uh, sex robot advocates, the, the academics, the arguments that they're making, I mean, essentially I think it boils down to this, that sex is good, therefore more sex is better, therefore sex dolls and robots help everyone have access to more sex or masturbation or orgasms or whatever they mean. Um, but it's very much, again, it's very much about, about men and a lot of these academics, they, they really sound like men's rights activists. They're making these incel arguments. They're arguing that if men don't have access to, to sex dolls and sex robots, if they can't use them whenever they feel the need or in the way that they like, that they're sexually deprived and that they're suffering. And it's, this argument is just, I, I, I don't know, as I was doing the research on this topic, I was really, I was really shocked and perhaps I shouldn't have been, but that I couldn't find, apart from feminist anthropologist Kathleen Richardson, who's done some great work in this space, other than her, she was essentially the, the sole voice that was critical of sex robot technology from a feminist perspective. But just about everything else that I was reading made the argument, oh, this is great, this is a great idea, this will be great for, this will, you know, um, be the solution to loneliness, it will have benefits for health and well-being. Essentially the argument being made really is is that sex is good, more is better. And this is the means to that. Don't they also argue that, uh, and this seems 
bogus to me, but you can tell me how and why it's bogus in a moment, um, mm-hmm. that this would both reduce rape and also with the child sex abuse dolls would reduce um, – what's the word they use? Contact offenses um, would reduce mm-hmm. the rape of children because if they're getting to rape the doll, then they won't rape a child. Is that – that's an argument they make, is it not? That's right. That's right. And it's it's quite a far-fetched argument with no real evidence. The idea that men can practice raping and sexually abusing and that this will somehow make them less likely to rape and sexually abuse women and children, it's it's not an argument. It, but, and even in the case of the child sex abuse dolls, again, the argument is always made this could be the solution to child sexual abuse, this could prevent it and everything. But in the last year or so, I've been documenting cases where men have been found in possession of child sex abuse dolls. And almost every time, they're also sexually offending against children in additional ways. They are almost always in possession of child sexual abuse material, which is you know, images and videos of children being raped and sexually abused and tortured. Um, sometimes they're offending in different ways as well. Uh, contact offending, sometimes they are secretly filming children or, or all kinds of things. So this idea that they're going to, that these products will somehow prevent that, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And it's not borne out in the reality either. So, so let's, let's just dump off all pretense that this is good for women and good for society. Um, and let's, Make the case to me that – okay, so I, I remember we had this discussion last time, but I want to go over this again just very quickly, that neither one of us is opposed to masturbation, right? Mm-hmm. So well, I can't even believe that in a public radio question I asked that question. But <laughs> um, so what is what – is, what is, if we don't perceive these as – humans to have as as pseudo humans as robot humans to have a quote relationship with if we perceive these as masturbation tools what's wrong with just having a fancier masturbation tool than one's than than the man's hand why why is that because it's not the the problem i want to i want to really i'm trying to define very clearly the problem and the problem isn't masturbation the problem is take it over well, I've, I've got a quote um, in the book from a sex buyer who's uh, – this is something he wrote on Twitter to a woman who had formerly been in industry, which I think sums up what they want and how it's – well, I'll read, I'll read the quote. He says to this woman, your performing body is all we want. If sex robots were already developed to a point where they can mimic women in both desirable behavior and body, we would not have any more use of you. Until then, I'll visit the brothel every two to three weeks. So I think what that shows is that it's not it's not just about the sexual experience or the sexual relief or the orgasm or whatever, but it's it's about wanting to experience or mimic the experience of of controlling a woman, of having a sexual encounter, uh, very much like a a sex buyer kind of sexual encounter, a transactional encounter where the man is in charge, the man is using the woman's body in the way that he wants. And that it's all about him and what he wants, but that it's not that there's some sort of distinction, I suppose, from just masturbation, if that makes sense. Well, 
and then there's also the um r- right now I am writing some stuff about how postmodernism has become so uh prevalent when it makes so little sense and very quickly the postmodern argument is that uh there are all these narratives in society and how do you tell what narrative is is true which is a very good question um but then their answer is there is no reality and there's only narratives and that's just nuts and it's so self-evidently nuts that like how did this get to be so big and one of the things that i find really terrifying is that there is so much in our society that gets us to substitute that that gets us to forget the difference between what we what we think about reality and reality itself and gets us to think that what we think about reality is more important than the reality itself and so i'm i'm sorry to go so far afield but i remember reading a while back that back decades ago back in the 1960s when they had gilligan's island there were people who would write to the coast guard and say protect them and in the 1970s there was a show marcus well bmd which was just a drama about a doctor and there was like 50,000 people a year would write to marcus Welby the show with their medical problems and mm. that's as 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 we are increasingly surrounded by a virtual reality even the word virtual reality it's not a virtual reality it's a it's a screen it's it's a computer it's not alive at all and as we're increasingly surrounded by that these increasingly these these increasing attempts to substitute the fake for the real is i find just utterly just existentially terrifying and the sex dolls actually absolutely fall into this category and, and take this anywhere you want or, or go entirely different direction if you if you want to yeah sure i mean that's that's a really interesting point that you raise and absolutely sex dolls and sex robots do fall under that i think what's really interesting about how the men relate to sex dolls well i mean for the most part it's it's the sexual use that that the men want there there are of course some men who are really into the the pretense the idea that this is a companion or this is a partner and the fantasy that this is a woman and a woman who is up for sex all the time and really into you know bdsm or torture or any of those kind of things but yeah i think it's very much about about sex on demand and and I think, yeah, the reality is when we live in a, a system of institutionalized male dominance, we, we need to talk about real power relations and the idea that any narrative, you know, there's just so many narratives and they're all valid or something. What does that mean for the real world lives of women and children who are being, who are having to deal with this and having to deal with the fallout of this? I've written about women in one chapter of the book who, um, their husbands own sex dolls and what that's meant for them, how how they've been distressed and humiliated at that and feeling like they have to compete with a sex doll or like they have to they have to perform or deliver 
more porn sex for their husbands in order to be enough or or even feeling that they don't have the right to to say no and women reporting feeling uh, being groomed and gaslighting from their partners and even from with the wider culture where this idea that you know you're not allowed to criticize anything when it comes to sexuality you're not allowed to object to any sex act if someone likes it if you you know have any sort of critical or feminist analysis or or call out something as a form of men's violence against women then you're kink shaming so I've been seeing uh, that narrative very much here in the book as I've been writing that women are being silenced and not being able, able to speak about their experiences, their material reality, because the dominant narrative is that, oh, you need to be more open-minded, this is sex positive, the problem is you, like you just need to be more cool with your partner's sex doll use or porn use or going to the brothel or wh- whatever it is. But it's that narrative that persists and and it's women and girls who are taking the brunt of this and also the women and girls who are having sex dolls made in their likeness because it's not just the child sex abuse doll manufacturers there are a number of regular sex doll and by regular I mean you know adults like made uh, dolls made in the likeness of adult women rather than children and girls uh, but there are these companies that are making dolls in the likeness of adult women and some of them didn't know about it and only found out about dolls made in their likeness when someone perhaps sent them a message on their Instagram and said, this is a doll that looks like you and it's got your name. And the manufacturer has sent a link to your Instagram saying, here's you were the inspiration for it. So all these ways that women are being harmed and humiliated and harassed and violated. And yeah, we need to talk about reality and what the world is like for women and girls and what the impact of these products will be for women and girls when women and girls are already feeling the brunt of a lot of women-hating technology. So two directions to go here. One of them is that I don't – you brought up a really important point with there is this idea that has come through society in the last – especially the last 30 years that if some practice involves an orgasm that – uh, you can't uh, you can't criticize it and um, there's there's a great line by Arthur Evans who was a very good uh, gay writer who wrote witchcraft and the gay counterculture it's a really interesting book and he wrote back in the 80s about um, about BDSM we have to reflect on the implications of what we do, both for ourselves and for the society at large. We have to do so for sex and for every other aspect of our lives. That's what it means to be a mature human being. And that was back in the 80s. And he would get canceled for saying that today because that would be kink shaming. Because no matter – oh, I saw some – yeah, it's like no matter what form any sexuality takes at this point, we have to accept it. And that that I don't understand why having an orgasm makes it so it is immune to social criticism. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, you know, we're seeing that with porn as well. Very much this push that like whatever you watch in porn or whatever you like, that's just your kink. And maybe it's rape, maybe it's violence, maybe it's something else, but that's okay. It's just this individual thing. It's part of your sexuality. And if anyone dares criticize it, 
then that's on them. The idea that the worst thing to do is to to critically analyse um, something that is deemed sexual by society rather than participating in the violence or the rape or or any of those things. And again, it's it's a theme with the sex dolls and robots that women are even sort of self-censoring because I did see a couple of forums where women were discussing their partner's sex doll use and their discomfort with it, but they were always kind of prefacing what they had to say with, oh, it's, it's probably just me, it's not really a big deal, I know I'm just, you know, overreacting. So they were already um, kind of dismissing what they had to say before they even said it, but always having to emphasise, but I'm not kink-shaming, I'm really open-minded sexually and I'm down for a lot of stuff, I just I feel a little bit strange about this and I don't love my partner using this. It feels like he's essentially masturbating into a silicon corpse. And, you know, I I don't love it, but that, that they couldn't even just say, this is not okay, this is not acceptable, but that they have to sort of explain why they're uncomfortable. And then and downplay, there was one woman in a forum even who, before she went on to explain her discomfort with her partner's sex doll use, she said, this is not kink shaming. And if anyone kink shames in the comments, I'll report you. And I just thought, how is this happening that so many women have bought into this ideology, this idea that we can't criticize or talk about critically anything men do sexually or like sexually and to the point where they're silencing themselves. And, uh, yeah, it was just it was really something to say. You know, you said you said a bunch of really important things there, and one of them is the uh the 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 line about the the corpse and that i'm so glad you said that because this um that reminds me of a line by mary daly where she said um patriarchy is itself the prevailing religion of the entire planet and its essential message is is necrophilia and then uh, let's bring in one more thing um, that uh, uh, Eric Fromm said that um, – no, Lear Keith says necrophilia is the endpoint of sadism, and Eric Fromm said that necrophilia is the passion of absolute and unrestricted control over a living being. And I think – I mean – I am not being hyperbolic when I say that talking about a sex doll is pretty much uh, the – I would not argue with somebody who, who said that that was um, necrophiliac. And I, I think that that use of her word, a silicon corpse, is is extraordinarily important. And there's even there's one sort of prominent sex doll owner who, for whatever reason, gets a lot of media coverage. I suppose it's sexy and interesting or whatever. Um, but he's he's talked about one of the reasons he likes sex dolls and owning multiple sex dolls is because it's the closest thing to necrophilia while still being legal. And we've also seen um, some really great feminist analysis from some of the different women I um, meet with at the Feminist Academy of Technology and Ethics. There's a book coming out either this year or early next year, 
And one of my colleagues, Shirley McWilliam, writes about sex dolls and robots as dead body objects. She talks about sex dolls, a dead woman, and a sex robot as an animated corpse. And it's really interesting, uh, her chapter in the book. And, uh, yeah, there's also arguments from another colleague, Lydia Delicato Moritala, who talks about the use of a sex doll as being more closely aligned with rape than sex because it's essentially a standard for an unconscious woman. So it's, it's really interesting considering the whole, the idea of these lifeless dolls and, and what is the appeal to men? Is it the fact that it is lifeless or is it something else? It, yeah. So it's, these are really interesting questions that I'm finding. Yeah. Cause you know, you and I have, and, and it's in your, your title, you know, that they're sex dolls. And we had this discussion last time too. I remember now that, that, I mean, they're they're really, if we're going to be precise about it and pedantic, they're they're masturbation dolls. I mean, this this mm. isn't this isn't sex, and it's you know, I mean, if if somebody's going to masturbate, they don't say I'm going to go have sex. They say you know, so they're and we talked about this in terms of the the doll brothels too, that they're basically just masturbatoriums, and mm. it's. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of interviews on a lot of subjects, and I got to tell you, this is one of the most horrifying. And I, I, I don't know if I said the same thing last time, but I, I feel the same thing both times. That this is, this is, um, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, if they talked about it as a complicated masturbation tool. It would still be problematical because it's shaped like a woman, but again, they're 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 mixing terms that I don't think should be mixed. Sorry, I'm going on so much about this. No, you're. It's a really interesting discussion point because you're right, and I've written about this. I've explored this it's in some detail in the book. You're right that what is being done to these dolls is not sex. These these dolls are objects. They don't have sex bodies or consciousness. So there's no relationship or no mutuality and you know you can't have sex with an inanimate object so in that sense yeah it's correct to say that it is masturbation but in another sense i would argue that these dolls whether they're modeled on women or or children they're designed to emulate a realistic experience of sex with a woman or to sexually abuse a child and it's it's a woman a replica woman that is always sexually available so in that sense it is masturbation but i think it's it's there's a difference. There's something something a bit unique about about these objects. Oh, it's I don't disagree. Typical sex doll, t- typical sex toys. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. I I completely agree with you. Um, do you the title of the book, "Sex Dolls, Robots, and Woman Hating," is I mean, you you bring in woman hating and. You've talked about objectification. Can you can you make the case for hate here? I think you've done it, but can you bring that home? Well, I guess first of all, it's just uh, this idea that women and girls are objects that exist for men's sexual use. That uh, it you know it's reinforcing this view of male sexual entitlement to the bodies of women and girls. It's um, well, I really working in this space and researching this topic for the last few years, the things that I've seen, it's just, it becomes undeniable that this is about woman hating. I've seen images of women or replica women, 
sex dolls and robots um, as parts. Uh, so just, you know, just certain uh, disembodied body parts or just a disembodied head or, or the whole thing but or hanging from a meat hook or something. So it's really it's, – it's so chilling and dehumanising. And as I've been studying this topic, I've been really struck by the misogyny of the doll owners, which is probably not surprising because they're happy enough to have a doll which they regard as a partner, uh, as a, you know, using it as a stand-in for a woman – but you know they don't care that it doesn't have consciousness or that it's that it's an object. They just care that it has penetrable orifices, and that's what they think a woman is. And the misogyny of the doll manufacturers, which again is is very clear, but particularly um, just the misogyny of of the individuals who defend the dolls, whether it's the academics or pedophile rights groups or, and advocates and their supporters. It's basically this idea that these horribly sexist and dehumanizing replica women are good and should be encouraged because men want to have complete sexual freedom. So it's, it's this total disregard for the impact on women and girls, for the harms to them and to what this means in terms of objectification, rape culture, violence against women and how women are, are harmed by this, by this dehumanization and the idea that men's sexual rights rights in inverted commas, men's sexual freedom, complete sexual freedom is more valuable than women's basic human rights. And that's where I think it's it's about the misogyny. It's just women matter so little if if we're talking about men's supposed rights to to have sexual access to a replica woman. It's just yeah, the the reality that that these men, how they feel about women, and and that that was what was quite depressing for me as I wrote this book. Just the reality of understanding how these men actually do view women, and believing that that a sex doll or robot could be a stand-in for a woman, because we're kind of the same. You know, this idea that you don't need a doll that that is alive or that can speak or has consciousness. That what they need if they're looking for a woman is the porn star sort of body type and and a bunch of orifices they can put their penis in and that's what matters the most um how much is a uh mid-range to upper end but not top of the line uh i don't i i i know it's in your title i know this is what you i mean sex doll still bothers me but whatever word we use what? Oh, it bothers me too. I, I guess I was trying to strike a balance of like, what, what's the language I can use that people will know what I'm talking about that's accessible, but that I can still make the argument the this is a form of 3D pornography. But how can I sort of strike the balance there? So yeah, I'm, I'm still uncomfortable with the term myself. It's, oh, and I, yeah. I, and I wasn't criticizing you at all. I, it's like yeah, no, it's, with, it's, with, it's complicated. Yeah. The, the pedophilia term. It's like yeah. I can use some other term and nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. So. Yeah. So what what is a a medium to upper end but not top of the line sex doll going to run somebody? So probably the most popular well-known sex doll brand is Real Doll and their kind of basic model, their cheapest model would be about $3,000. So the the point is that this also takes a significant this is not like 
um, you know, buying a candy bar where, you know, you can do an impulse buy. This is this is a significant chunk of change. Yeah, it's a real investment. I mean, oh, you, you have to be you have to be fairly dedicated to actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's yeah. OK, that, I mean, that just that just seems that's a whole nother level of crazy, that level of commitment, cool. too. Um, so you talk about the case for resistance. I mean, that's your that's the, the subtitle. So what what forms can realistic what realistically what forms can resistance take? Well, uh, one of the things, well, it can be legislation. It can be getting legislation, getting laws uh, in your country or globally against these products. I mean, that's easier said than done. We have had some success in Australia against child sex abuse dolls because I think most people, not all, but most people do hear, you know, about the concept of a child sex abuse doll and think that's horrific and can see that that's, that there is a connection between men's use of dolls modeled on the bodies of children and real world harm to children. Unfortunately, just as the case with pornography, uh, when it's pornography featuring adult women, uh, people don't seem to see any real harm for the most part. They, people acknowledge when children are involved, when children are being abused, that's a serious abuse, and rightly so. But we, widely, we don't tend to make that same connection when it's women. There's the assumption that in pornography, the women are adults, they're consenting, it's harmless, although that's not really the case. But, again, that's the obstacle uh, with laws against sex dolls. That, so there are some countries like Australia that have managed to criminalise child sex abuse dolls, uh, whether that's possession or advertising, uh, sending them, all kinds of uh, different things associated with that. And there's a few states in America that have criminalised them and a few other places as well and, and other countries where maybe they don't have specific laws against child sex abuse dolls, but they – you know, they fall under existing obscenity laws or something like that. So legislation is one thing. Another thing that uh, Collector Shout, my colleagues and I at Collector Shout have found to be quite effective is to go after some of the major platforms that are selling these products. Um, we've been we've been campaigning against Etsy and Alibaba and uh, a number of these platforms and had some success. We have an ongoing campaign against Etsy to get these products off their platform, and that's been going on for more than a year. But Alibaba, which is a Chinese um, platform, we we brought this to their attention. And what we do is we we share images, you know, publicly on Twitter or social media, saying this is what you're allowing to be sold on your platform. This is what you're profiting from. And in the case of um, Alibaba, we found not just child sex abuse dolls, but dolls modeled on the bodies of toddlers and infants. So we said, how does this stack up against your proclaimed corporate social responsibility? <laughs> so we called this out. We say, here's what you're doing. You know, what are you going to do about it? And we have had some success there because unlike, you know, your random everyday child sex abuse doll manufacturer in wherever, um, th- where there's very little accountability um, or or anything like that, you can have um, – it can be more effective, I think, when it's these global platforms or these big platforms like Amazon, eBay, this kind of thing, because this reflects very poorly on them when they're exposed selling these kind of products. So that's one way I think that people can have success is by coming together and 
exposing this because it doesn't look good for the companies and then they want to take them down. And I think I think you're also performing a hugely important service simply by talking about it because if this makes it so one woman who is married to somebody who uses these uh, says, you know, this is not okay and doesn't have to apologize first by saying, oh, gosh, you know, I know it's just me. I think if you help one woman to do that, you know, your your work, your work has been worthwhile. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point. So we have just a couple minutes left. Um, how can first off, how can people uh, find out more about your work? And second, how can people uh, uh, find out more about this book and purchase this book, Sex Dolls, Robots and Woman Hating the Case for Resistance? Yes, so I'm on socials. I'm on Twitter at Caitlin underscore Roper. I'm on Instagram at It's Caitlin Roper. Uh, They can follow the work of Collective Shout. uh, And to find my book, uh, you can go to spinifexpress.com.au and you'll find it there. And it'll be out, uh, well, late August is what we know so far. So by the time this goes out, it it might be out. I'm not sure. So, But it can be pre-ordered now at spinifexpress.com.au. And can you spell your name so people can find your Instagram sure. and website? Yeah, so my name is Caitlin, C-A-I-T-L-I-N, Roper, R-O-P-E-R. And is there anything that you've wanted to say about either this or women or woman-hating or resistance that I haven't given you the opportunity? Oh, really just that... Uh, as I've been writing this book, it, it's been making me really angry. And even before, just doing the research, I've been very angry and thinking people need to know about this. But just this idea that, you know, we should be angry. This is this is so abusive and and misogynistic. And the idea we're supposed to accept this as normal or, or it's about sexual rights or it's about health and well-being or whatever it is or, or loneliness or preventing child abuse, like, we're being lied to and women should be angry. We should be angry. We should be calling this out. And I hope, you know, after reading my book or even just listening to this, that I hope more women will feel like they have a right to be angry and they have a right to call this stuff out. Well, I really want to explicitly thank you for taking on this issue because as you said earlier, there are not many who are speaking out against it. You you can see lots of articles on you know, vice or, you know, whatever other um, so-called journalistic enterprises um, Mm -hmm. supporting it, but uh, you don't see very much opposition to it. So I just want to really thank you for, you know, sort of having the courage to uh, take this on. Yeah, thank you, Derek. That's really kind of you. Well, thank you again for being on the program, and I would like to – and thank you for your work in the world, and I would like to thank listeners for listening. My guest today has been Caitlin Roper. This is Derek Jensen from Resistance Radio on the Progressive Radio Network.